Hello and welcome to Made to Measure, the podcast of the Journal of Trading Standards. I'm Paul Evans. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about something all of us use every day and many of us probably take for granted, the energy that powers our homes. Over the past few years, the energy sector has become increasingly fragmented, with a plethora of new entrants to the market all competing to be cheaper, greener and more reliable than their rivals. This has created a highly competitive and highly lucrative marketplace that can at times leave consumers bewildered. We spoke to Steve Plale, CTSI's lead officer for energy and smart meters, to shed some light on the current situation and discuss the challenges that new technologies and shifts in energy consumption behavior can present to trading standards. While cold calling and doorstep sales seem to have diminished, there are still opportunities for consumers to be taken advantage of, whether that means paying over the odds, becoming locked into unfair contracts, or agreeing to have devices installed in their homes that are not all they're cracked up to be. And finally, with green issues high on the agenda, it's widely agreed that we all have a part to play in protecting our environment. But as new ways of tackling the climate crisis emerge, there will inevitably be unscrupulous parties looking to make a quick buck from unwary consumers, something to which everyone in trading standards should be paying attention. To kick things off, Steve began by explaining the origins of his role. I'm Steve Playall. I've been a Chartered Trading Standards Institute member for as long as I can remember, and I've held a number of lead officer roles. Um, used to do lead officer role as doorstep crime, but more recently I've been lead officer for all things connected with the energy sector. The um, energy lead officer role is fairly new, isn't it? Yeah, the initial interest in the energy sector was probably um, through myself, and I think it was me who said to CTSI, look, you know, we need to have someone keeping an eye on the energy sector. And I think that was more around the issues around cold calling on the doorstep where, you know, highly incentivised sales reps were being paid lots of money to get consumers to switch to deals which may have been worse than the ones they were already on. So that's where the interest first came to light. But it's then sort of followed on from there with the, um, you know, the green agenda is very big at the moment, as we all know. We're all being pushed to try and save energy, to reduce carbon emissions, and the government has set some very ambitious targets. And one way of doing that is to try and get consumers to change their behaviours. And I think perhaps, you know, trying to impose changes on the behaviour of consumers is where things can start to go wrong. Rather than looking at what the current consumer behaviours are and trying to work with those to save energy, it seems to me that um, government in some cases is trying to impose um, their will on the people. And that's where the problems can really start. Well, we'll come on to talk about smart meters later in the podcast. But first, the home energy market in the UK is highly competitive with lots of companies vying for business. Does this create specific challenges for regulators and enforcers? The home energy market is a a massive market. So I, I was trying to work out earlier the actual revenues that the energy companies get from UK consumers. And it's got to be something like 30 or 40 billion pounds a year which is absolutely massive so you know we all spend a massive amount of money each month on our heating and hot water bills so it's important that the energy market's operating properly i think in the past there's always been the traditional big six energy suppliers but the government um, decided to let new entrants onto the scene quite a few years ago now to try and stimulate some competition in the market which is always very positive It's had some good results, but it's also run into a few problems. I think there was a a realisation that perhaps the big six were perhaps not being quite as competitive 
as they could be. Um, there, were, there were big issues with the big six around doorstep sales of energy um, probably about four or five years ago. Doorstep um, sales have ceased pretty much since the prosecution that Surrey County Council took and the new market entrants that have come onto the scene have um, made things a bit more tough for the big six. However, I don't, I don't think they've really taken over in quite such a big way as was originally envisaged by the government. So we have the big six suppliers... In addition to this, there are lots of smaller companies, though, who may or may not be, in effect, offering white-labeled versions of the big company services. Are there any issues with consumers being unaware of exactly who it is that's supplying their energy? The situation differs. I mean, there are some suppliers, I mean, for example, one of the big high street um, supermarket chains, they, they were pushing energy contracts, which were arranged through one of the big six, but it was always quite clear. Um, they're normally very clear with the consumers as to who they're actually dealing with at the end of the day. But the the smaller entrants that have come onto scene, they've obviously had to come in and try and grab some market share. And the the easiest way of doing that is by being more competitive on pricing. The trouble is um, that that's left them vulnerable um, where things start going a bit wrong. If they don't buy their energy in the right amount and at the right time, then that leaves them vulnerable And in the last 12 months or so, I think there's probably about 10 or 11 of the smaller suppliers have gone to the wall um, and Ofgem have had to step in and allocate the customers of those companies which have gone to the wall to um, other energy companies from the big six. Energy is a difficult subject because it's not like going into a shop to buy a particular product. You pay your money and take the product home. Energy is a very complicated issue. And when it comes to trying to shop around, just shopping around for the best deal, it's very hard for consumers to fully understand and appreciate what a good deal is. Some of the energy company tariffs are very, very complicated and there are some very useful comparison websites around where you can plumb in your details and find out what might be the best deal for you. But the trouble is that not many people actually know down to the last kilowatt hour how much energy they use each year. And unless you know that pretty accurately, it's very hard to make a a safe switch And I think the danger is that a lot of people in the past have made switches which have been very um, ineffective for them because in some cases they've been paying more than they did before. Do you come across many complaints from consumers about contracts they've been locked into? We don't get many complaints in trading standards about energy companies. I think consumers tend to go to Citizens Advice who have a dedicated team that deal with energy, energy complaints. But the reason it's so interesting is because some of those complaints do throw up some sort of fascinating scenarios where you think that perhaps the energy companies are doing things that they shouldn't really be doing. And that's really where I've come in to sort of try and look and look at the scene and find out exactly what's going right, but more importantly, what's going wrong. And are there any issues with regulation and enforcement trying to keep pace with the introduction of new technologies in the energy sector? There's been a big move recently to try and get everyone onto the smart energy grid. So smart meters has been a big push for the last four or five years. Um, the, the realisation has dawned that if we um, carry on as we are, perhaps there won't be enough energy to go around. So I think the introduction of smart meters is purely designed to try and even out the peaks and troughs in energy demand so that um, the lights stay on effectively. Smart meters, smart meters, once they're installed in every household, they're going to inevitably bring in um, the possibility of um, time-related tariffs. So energy use during the day is going to be more expensive than energy use during the night. And I think smart meters, the whole program is designed to try and encourage consumers to change their 
energy consumption behaviours. So perhaps, for example, you know, consumers will be asked to put washing machines and tumble dryers on at night time when there's plenty of energy around. Um, and the benefit for them will be that energy costs will be slightly lower by doing that. Well, the, the nationwide rollout of smart meters was recently pushed back from the planned deadline of 2020 to 2024. Why do you think that was? I think the, the scale of the task to get smart meters in every home by the end of 2020 was an absolutely phenomenal ask of, this, of the energy industry. But they're throwing lots of money at it. You know, the original estimates were that it would cost £11 billion to get smart meters installed in every home by that deadline. Um, there was lots of money that was committed to a very um, far-reaching advertising campaign to try and make sure that people were aware of the benefits and to try and encourage them to switch. But it just hasn't gone to plan. It's such a monumental task to get technicians trained up who are able to go into someone's home and safely switch you know, the old meters for the new ones. But also there's been lots of um, consumer resistance as well. There's various you know, stories in the press about the the downsides of smart meters, which may or may not be true. You know, the whole big brother is watching you scenario um, where companies know exactly what you're using. There were some early sort of health concerns about some of the radio frequencies that were being used to transmit um, your consumption data from your smart um, energy meter back to your supplier. Um, And um, let's make no mistake about it. the, The big six, well, all the energy companies were put on, a pain of death if they fail to get meters installed by the end of 2020. And I, th- I think the prospect of those penalties being imposed by the government meant that the energy companies became very um, creative in their ways to try and get consumers to agree to a switch. And that, unfortunately, is where some of them have started, started stepping over the line. You know, it's, it's smart meters are not compulsory. But if you read some of the advertising literature, marketing literature that's put out by the energy companies, it doesn't make that very clear to consumers And the expectation is that you've got no choice but to have one installed. The fact of the matter is that you don't. And if energy companies try and say that you do have to have one installed, then I think that's where we can start talking about some offences under some of the trading standards legislation that we enforce. Do you think any of the consumer concerns about smart meters are justified? Different consumers have different ideas. And um, I speak to people who are completely incensed that they're getting some rather aggressive marketing literature saying that they must switch to a smart meter by a certain date. I think the, the biggest fear, and this is you know my personal view, is that once we start switching to time of use tariffs, it may well be the case that we all end up paying more for our energy supply. If you think about it, the most the most expensive time of day, or the the, the highest demand on the on the energy grid, is probably between about four in the afternoon and seven in the evening which is where most people get home from work, put the kettle on, start cooking dinner, turn the heating on, have a bath, put the washing machine on. All those things um, drain the energy grid. And I think um, the the concern is that we'll get to a stage, not quite sure when that's going to be, but maybe in a few years' time, where on a particularly cold winter's evening, when everyone does the things they normally do, um, the grid simply won't be able to cope. And that means that there may have to be some um, some energy sort of rationing going on around the UK. That's a situation the government doesn't want to happen. And rather than building more capacity, building more energy generation, um, the response is to try and make sure that consumers take responsibility for what they use and smooth out the peaks and troughs in demand. The cost of the smart meter rollout is, um, you know, £11 billion. And um, Smart Energy GB, who is the body that was 
tasked with trying to promote smart meters with UK consumers to get people interested. They've um, been taken to task by the Advertising Standards Authority a couple of times. So, for example, you know, everyone assumes or they were told that smart meters were free. But actually, if you do the maths, you can work out that perhaps each household is, is paying something like three or four hundred pounds to pay for the smart meter rollout. So they're not free. We're all paying for the smart meter rollout although it's not actually itemised in our energy bills. So most people perhaps wouldn't realise that they are being paid um, lots and lots of money for this rollout. So from what you were saying earlier, it sounds like the doorstep sales side of things is a thing of the past, more or less. Have companies changed their sales tactics? Yeah, I think, I think the doorstep's pretty much died out now. There, there are still a few pockets where doorstep sales take place, but I think the, the main thrust now with the smart meter rollout is around direct marketing. So... Um, increasingly over the last probably two years, you know, I get emails and phone calls and text myself asking me to switch over to Smart Meter, which so far I've resisted because I haven't seen the benefits laid out in sufficient detail for me yet. And I'm not reassured that I'm actually going to end up saving money by switching. I'd rather just wait and see what happens. Um, you know, the, tar- the target has been missed. So it's now been um, extended by a further four years. You know, I've, I, I do have meetings with um, people from the industry and it was it was evident very, very early on that the original target was never going to be reached. When you're trying to install meters in you know, 30, 30 million homes across the UK, that's a mammoth task. And um, it was it was inevitable that the, uh, the, the, uh, the time delays were going to come into play. And have there been any issues around the actual physical installation of the smart meters themselves? There's very clear guidelines on the mechanisms for having these meters installed. And most, well, all, all, all of the cases, all, all of the energy companies I've been engaged with, um, you know, they, they train people properly. Um, safety is at forefront of their minds and they know what they're doing. It's just the sheer enormous task of getting the meters installed and, of course, initially getting consumers to agree to have them um, switched in the first place. So it's, it's noticeable that before the extension was uh, announced until 2024, you know, I was, I was getting uh, details from people about some of the communications they received and they were very aggressive. They were implying that they had no choice but to switch to a smart meter or that their existing meter was now in a dangerous condition and it was a safety issue, which was completely untrue. We did speak to Energy uh, UK and we tried to get a code of practice um, set up that the, the trade could comply with as far as the sort of marketing techniques they use when speaking to consumers. But the sticking point was that we couldn't agree um, even that the, the energy companies would tell consumers that smart meters weren't compulsory. So unfortunately, we couldn't um, come to an, an understanding on that. So we, um, we couldn't give any support to a code of practice. What about rogue traders posing as smart meter installers? Yeah, well, one of the big concerns was that someone would, would, would go around pretending to be from one of the smart meter installers um, when really they were just trying to get a foot over the threshold to um, commit um, other crimes. But that hasn't really played out. And I'm not aware of, um, of any situations where that scenario has actually happened. So um, that's a good thing. I think most, most consumers, because they know that they're going to have to have a prearranged appointment to have the smart meters installed, that perhaps they're slightly more aware of what they should and shouldn't be doing. But at the moment, clearly that, that hasn't happened. And as far as I'm aware, there haven't been any instances where someone's gained entry to a house on the pretense of being there to fit a smart meter. Presumably that type of thing used to happen a fair bit. Yeah, back in the old days, um, one of the regular uh, modus operandi was um, for someone to knock at the door, say they've come to read the gas meter or read the electricity meter. 
and that was their way of getting it entrance into the home. You know, the industry, the energy industry will tell you that um, by having smart meters installed, that will negate the need to have meter readers going out, which is true. But um, that's that's one of the benefits of having smart meters installed. But you also need to sort of think about the the other issues where perhaps the benefits aren't quite so obvious. Is the decline in those kinds of scams down to tougher enforcement, do you think, or increased consumer awareness? Yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things. I mean, lots of local authorities um, do have doorstep crime teams. And sometimes, you know, criminals try to use an MO to, to get entry into a property. And eventually people get so wise to it that they need to move on to the next scam. I think that, I think the energy sector has also been quite good in putting out messages to customers about being you know, aware of those sorts of scams. And um, I'm not saying they, they've evaporated completely, but um, they, they certainly seem to have declined as far as I can see. Do you have any key bits of advice for others in trading standards who might find themselves dealing with an energy-related case? I think if you get a complaint about a, an energy company, um, don't be intimidated by the fact that it's perhaps looking at an area that you haven't dealt with before. At the end of the day, the same trading standards, rules and regulations apply to the sale of energy as they apply to the sale of any other um, service. I think you need to be particularly aware of um, the fact that it can be quite a complex market. So consumers may be engaged in um, discussions with energy companies um, where they don't fully understand what they're doing. So I think you need to make allowances for consumers um, that it is a complicated issue and they're more likely to make um, fundamental errors and be drawn into potential um, scams than they would do if they were just buying something which is a, a more common everyday purchase. The bigger a company is, um, any trading standards officer will tell you, the more challenging it can be as an investigation um, and the more obstacles are put in your way to conduct um, what should be a routine investigation. There is a regulator in the energy sector, so Ofcom, they um, provide licences for companies who um, offer and supply energy in the UK. It can be worth um, touching base with them to find out and to put complaints to them, so at least they're aware of it. Um, it's also worth consumers reporting the matters through to the Citizens Advice Service on the energy um, side of things. They produce regular reports about trends in the sale of energy. So, for example, with the smart meter issue, um, they issue a quarterly report to show the statistics around complaints connected with the installation of smart meters so they can be useful. But at the end of the day, um, you know, as a lead officer, I'm always available. If someone wants to pick up the phone and give me a ring, I'm happy to talk through any issues there may be. There are subsidiary issues. So if you remember um, the Green Deal that was around about three or four years ago, this was a big government initiative to try and make sure that our homes were properly insulated. Um, and the government had great ideas about consumers borrowing money to have energy saving measures installed and those loans um, to have those measures installed would be repaid using the savings that were generated through having those measures put in place. That that never really worked out. Um, the sector um, attracted a lot of criminal elements, people who were being called in to fit um, external wall cladding, do loft insulation and do double glazing. Sadly, the, the, um, you know, the measures that were put in place to try and make, keep the, uh, the cowboys at bay weren't robust enough um, and there are still some cases going on to this day involving um, consumers who were ripped off by having measures installed um, which weren't really worth any money and haven't made any energy savings for them. Um, it's interesting that I think the Labour Party have just recently announced this weekend 
that they've got this new warm homes for all campaign where they're hoping to invest 60 billion pounds um, in the housing stock in the UK to make it more energy efficient. Um, I just hope that if that does come to fruition, that the lessons of the Green Deal are learnt. And technology-wise, is there anything on the horizon that you think trading standards should be paying particular attention to? I think one of the things that may come um, through in the next few years, once more and more people have smart meters installed, is the ability to actually store energy overnight. So when energy is particularly cheap, consumers can be encouraged to um, charge up batteries, which may be in place in their home. Um, And the idea being that next day, when energy prices go up between the peak times of perhaps four in the afternoon and seven in the evening, you can flick a switch and then um, use energy from the battery, which has been charged up using cheaper energy. Um, sounds, sounds great in theory. Lots of considerations there, not least the fact that you've got to pay to have the home battery in store, storage installed, first of all. Um, some of the systems that I've been looking at, they can cost several thousand pounds. And I can just envisage an army of um, cold calling doorstep salesman going around to consumers' homes um, saying that, you know, if you've got a smart meter, I can sell you a battery storage system that will save you lots of money. And, of course, um, that's that, that gets very, very complicated. There'll be various claims made about the energy savings that consumers can expect to make by investing in these systems. And, um, sadly, from experience, I know that lots of them will be untrue. I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the claims that we made by people selling these home battery devices will be, you know, you can save up to X hundred pounds per year. And of course, I think a very small percentage of people may actually save that amount, but the vast majority will save considerably less. Um, and the fact that you've got door-to-door salesmen going around selling these products, these people will be on heavy commissions. And sadly, you know, even if they're instructed by their companies not to say certain things, um, they, they will say those things to get a sale, um, to bolster their annual uh, weekly salary. Um, I mean, they're, they're, to, to make it even more complicated, current thinking now is that as more and more people switch to um, electric vehicles, the idea is that you can actually run some of your home devices by plugging in your car. Um, so this is going to get very, very sophisticated. Um, and I think consumers are going to be completely bamboozled by what they should be doing. Um, There will be some consumers that know exactly what they're doing and they can use the new technology to their best advantage. But I think because there's um, so much focus on green energy, so much focus on making us carbon neutral, I think, which is a good thing, um, but I think consumers are going to be more likely to be exploited by people trying to make us more um, environmentally aware. Do you think regulators and enforcers are prepared for some of these big changes? Well, it, it, come, it comes down to the, the regime that the government put in to try and regulate people that are involved in selling devices and selling battery technology into consumers' homes. I mean, even looking at some of the current electric vehicles that are on the market, you know, there's evidence. If you read some of the, the, the big car magazines, you know, manufacturers will claim that a car has a range of, you know, 200 miles. But the reality is that you'll have to be doing very, very well to get anywhere near that. So, you know, again, it's the claims that are being made to consumers which are likely to be misleading in order to get the sale. The technology has come on leaps and bounds in the last five or ten years, um, and I think battery technology has still got a long way to go. But, you know, government needs to be very careful about how they regulate um, these sorts of um, things to consumers. Um, And rather than thinking that the sole aim is to try and Um, get everyone um, environmentally friendly by a certain date, that's fine. But they also need to consider 
and consumers and the potential for them being misled along the way. We do need to be far more environmentally aware than we currently are. Um, so I might come across as sounding sort of anti-smart meters, anti-electric cars. I'm not. It's just that the information that consumers are given needs to be accurate, needs to be able to be relied on. If it isn't, that's where things start going wrong and when things won't happen. So, you know, that's, that's really where I'm coming from. Um, and that's got to be down to central government. They're the ones that have got the resources. They're the ones that have got the ability to make, um, make laws and make codes of practice and make them work. Uh, and they need to be all over that and not leave it to bodies like trading standards to enforce when things go wrong. Well, that's it for another episode. Thanks to Steve Playle for talking to us. And thank you for listening. We'll be back again in a fortnight's time with more from the world of trading standards. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast, or you just want to get in touch, send us an email to madetomeasure at jtsmag.uk. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>